2: I mean, ever since art college, I've really had a problem with doing a piece of work and then putting it in a huge empty white room so that posh people can drink wine and think about buying it or not. It just doesn't do anybody any fucking good, really. And and that's what I've always thought of. pop music was, will always be a far more vibrant art, art form, ultimately, because, like, when you hear something on the radio, you know, ...that triggers something in you, that you're never the same again. Uh, And and it's harder to do that in, in a gallery.
1: Welcome to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. My name is Quentin, got my brother Travis with me, and we're back from our holiday break. Travis, are you still full brother and other generic speak
3: of Thanksgiving? Uh, I just finished up the, uh, leftover turkey right, uh, today, actually, so.
1: Please tell me you put all of it on a sammy with the stuffing and the taters. I make myself a, uh, Thanksgiving sandwich, dude. I, no, I never do
3: that. I mean, I, 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 put the turkey on a sandwich, but I never put, like, the stuffing and the mashed potatoes on a sandwich. Dude, do it, man. Why would I do that? Why wouldn't you? You know, that way I could still have a side of mashed potatoes, a side of stuffing <laughs> with my turkey sandwich. You, you you feel me? All right, fine.
1: So, uh feels good to be back, dude. Man, we've been kinda sporadic the last month or so. I'm ready to get back into it, brother. Yeah, me too. So we're getting back into our radio headathon. Nah, no, I don't like that. Uh ready no. What do you want to call this, dude? Spoonathon just works so
3: well, you know? Uh we could call it a uh I could call it a Radiohead Fest. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Radiohead yeah. Palooza. That's okay.
1: That's you know, what? that's fine. We'll go with that. Uh, we're going to cover Kid A today, which is their Fourth studio album came out in October of 2000 um so you remember when we when we covered Spoon and we we said that I, th- I think we landed on Gimme Fiction being like their defining moment as a band you know like Gimme Fiction kind of defined their sound and from that point on everything that you heard on Gimme Fiction like that was a pretty good snapshot of kind of like what spoon it kind of just encompassed spoon as a band, you know,
3: yeah, I think Gimme Fiction was like the blueprint for every album since then, as yeah. wh- whereas like their previous works it was them sort of like refining it and like getting to like that formula that they came up with, yeah, which is why which is why we like the albums that came out before Gimme Fiction because it was still them kind of working their way through things. And like, you know, each album was different up to give me fiction. Yeah. But yeah, I could, so, so you're saying that the kid a is, is like, uh, were they sort of, they're, they're defining the defining point for, for radiohead. Yeah. Yeah. I could see I that. I think so. Yeah. I can see that.
1: And so, so here's the deal, dude. Um, I don't know if this is common knowledge or not, but this is, um, well, okay. Anyone who anyone who's a, a big Radiohead fan will probably know this. So it, it turns out that um, Tom York went through a really, really dark period right after OK Computer. Um, the way he put it, he was just a complete fucking mess. You know, just in in a deep state of depression. Um, because you think about it, you know they 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 saw their success with the Bends. Uh, with their single creep so you know they got boosted into the you know the the rock and roll status then OK computer comes out two years later saw you know equal success as far as like continuing that path um you know to rock stardom and he was just he was already sick of it man he the way he puts it there's nothing more boring than a rock and roll star someone who has been on the road for 10 years expecting attention wherever he goes drinking himself stupid who is obnoxious incoherent uncreative and has a massive ego there's nothing more pointless i love that line dude
3: so you're saying he turned he he turned into that and he he didn't just he he he, he just
1: saw them on that path and he he hated it man and like he you know he was going you know touring the road playing into massive crowds um and he just basically he couldn't handle it dude like i mean i don't know if it's really that like okay i don't know if he couldn't handle it but like he just he just couldn't stand it um yeah i mean that happens he said he felt like he was going crazy all the time
3: man it happens all the time like with it it happened to to kirk cobain right i mean after the huge uh success that that they got after um after Nevermind, right so, it just came right. so quickly.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, so, OK Computer, again, comes out in 97. So, apparently, around New Year's of 98, Tommy York thinks of this point as one of one of the lowest points in his life. He said, I felt like I was going crazy. Every time I picked up a guitar, I got the horrors. I would start writing a song and stop after 16 bars. I would hide... Hide the guitar away, and when I looked at it again, I would just tear it up and destroy it. I was sinking down and down. Um, so basically, he said it, he just felt like he was completely unhinged. Um, so something had to change. He didn't want to continue the formula and just spit out, you know, sp- spit out records just to appease the record labels, and you know, like it just he he just didn't want to do that anymore. Um, which I thought was interesting that. Even, even as far back as, as the late 90s, Tommy York was already just completely sick of the whole major record label, like rock star um, status, you know? So around this time, he, starts, he started buying electronic music and getting into electronic music. He says it was refreshing because the music was all structures and had no human voices on it. But I felt as emotional about it as I'd ever felt about guitar music. I'd completely had it with melody. I just wanted rhythm.
3: Hmm.
1: Okay. So, now I just realized... I jumped the gun big time, brother. Yeah, you did. <laughs> I think we need to uh, take a step back. Because I got, I got way too excited, man. Uh, yeah. Let's share our whatcha Your Hurts for the week, dude. I feel like that's a good stopping point yeah
3: you yeah you've, you've teed it up for us nicely yeah
1: um i'll start so this is actually i'm going back to a band that i've played before as a what you heard because dude, i just can't get enough of this album man um i actually just picked it up on vinyl recently um remember the band wolf people i showed you that song kingfisher i don't remember what episode i played it on but uh it's this psychedelic rock band emphasis on like the more heavy side like they have a lot of really great like just classic rock uh guitar riffs this is actually a song from the same album that i shared with you earlier uh it's an album called ruins that came out this year and dude this is quickly becoming like my favorite album of the year easily um every fucking song in this album is just fucking great dude um so i'm gonna share a song called um not me sir which is track eight on the album um yeah here it is let's do it
3: that was fire that was on fire <laughs> dude so I'm who was that you, t- t- who was that again what i want names <laughs> it's wolf people
1: wolf so I, I played you a song from the same album called kingfisher and on another episode it, i said it, it reminded me of um westworld because i was getting in oh westworld yeah that's right so what yeah, was dude. the name
3: of that track
1: that's, that track I just played for you is called Not Me, Sir. All right. Look, the album's called Ruins. Came out this year. Give it a listen, dude. It will be... Yeah, that, Dude, hang that, on
3: a second. That guitar riff was, Give me guitar a riff was great. Man. Give me
1: a moment. I made a mistake, man. Okay, this is their latest release, okay? For some reason, I thought it came out this year. It sure as hell didn't. It came out in 2016. But this is this is their latest album. And God damn it, dude. I, I can't emphasize enough how much I love this record, dude. Every fucking song on this record.
3: It's a banger. Did you, uh, did you find it on vinyl?
1: Yes, I did. Have you been listening at all? I said <laughs> I just picked it up on vinyl. Recently, <laughs> oh, you, dude.
3: You said that today. Yeah. You said in that, this recording. Oh, it's hilarious. Wow. Well, shit. Cause you know, could have got that for you for Christmas. Yeah, well, you don't. Apparently, you don't listen to me. My bad. Your twin brother,
1: your own flesh and blood, literally your own flesh.
3: Um, I don't know if that, that works out. Damn,
1: I don't know <laughs> if that works out. Literally. <laughs> All right, whatever. So yeah, that's Wolf People. I can't get enough of that album.
3: I'm on the Bandcamp for this for this uh, the Bandcamp page for this album, and it says if you like Wolf People, you may also like Elder. And that is so true, dude uh elder is this group um that I, I don't know if i've done a i don't think i've talked about them at all on no filler but they are another really really great they're classified as doom metal which i don't not even close but they they're just like these guys where it's kind of a classic rock revival but but you know not not in a gimmicky way but in like their own way you know yeah kind of like these cool these guys. So anyway, all right, let's, let's, let's uh do a little 180 here and uh, talk about Cabbage Boy, which is my, what you heard for the week. All I know about Cabbage Boy is that they came up probably on some sort of artist radio or something like that for me a long time ago. Uh, QF I've, I've talked about and played bits and pieces of my, I don't know how to classify it other than it's almost like uh, it's IDM, but it's got this nod toward um, it's hypnagogic for me, at least, because it sounds like sort of the old uh, devices that were used to make video game scores from like, you know, Nintendo era, like Super Nintendo era video game music, right? So like 8-bit? Ape it but not straight up chip tunes, right? Got it. So anyway, I've I've been putting together this playlist for years, like since twenty thirteen. I've been adding to this playlist any anything that sounds like that, whatever however you classify it. You know, it's sort of like Boards of Canada type uh, IDM. And we talked about Boards of Canada and hypnagogic pop and all that stuff when we did our Tycho episode. So anyway, Cabbage Boy uh, they've got some tracks that sound like that on this one particular album uh, called... What is it called? Called Genetically Modified. Yeah, Genetically Modified. So anyway, I, my, I was listening to that playlist on Shuffle the other day and I had a couple of this guy's tracks on there and I realized that I never actually hit play on the album and just listened to the whole thing, so I did that today. And I would classify this track... Almost more as um, like down tempo trip hop, but it's still got a little bit of that flavor to it. So anyway, this song is called "Hey Hey We're the Monks." It's by Cabbage Boy. It came out in 1999, so it's kind of a kind of an oldie. So here we go. cool dude yeah so you know i think i've you you even said it earlier like well you didn't say it on this recording but like i've i've said perhaps even on this episode on the show that i don't i don't particularly care for sampled audio like that like sampled vocals because i think sometimes it can be done like i hate the chipmunk voice in in uh in down tempo and electronic music right
1: when they sample
3: in vocals but they there's a right and
1: wrong way to do chip yeah and
3: I think there's a right and wrong way to do like just sampled vocals in a track too yeah but I think that's an example of when it's it's done just subtly enough to where it's not too distracting but it reminds me of this there's this even it's not much older it came out in 1998 but there's this other kind of kind of classic sort of down tempo uh, artist that goes by the name of The Irresistible Force and he has this sort of um, uh, iconic album called It's Tomorrow Already that came out in 1998 and it has sort of a similar vibe to it but you know just one of those great sort of classic I say classic but you know older down-tempo albums that uh, sort of when this stuff was kind of gaining traction like down uh, trip-hop and all that kind of stuff But uh, anyway, this guy, his name, he goes by Cabbage Boy, but his name is uh, Simon Begg, and he is a member of the Notorious Cabbage Head Artist Collective, formed in 1990. So there you go. He's part of a collective. So he goes by Cabbage Boy, he goes by Bigfoot, Buck Funk 3000, and some other names. So there you go.
1: Well, that's kind of cool because... um you know, that came out in 99. We're talking about Kid A, which came out in 2000. Tom York caught that electronic bug, you know? So, uh, the reason I played that clip um, that kind of talked about Tom York in art school, I think we kind of touched on that in our OK Computer episode. All the members of Radiohead met in art school. Um, and... Tom York was kind of talking in that interview about how he, you know, right from the get go, didn't really see the appeal um, in becoming an artist in like the form of you know painting something or or being an artist that that creates installations in art galleries. He thought it was fucking pointless. I think is how he put it, basically. He couldn't take the idea of you know his works of art just being in some giant you know white walled studio where posh highbrowed people come through with their glasses of champagne and just stare at his art and you know figure out whether or not they want to buy it and take it home. He wanted to get into you know pop music, um, and so he did, and then you know for th- for three albums um they kind of went down the um the rock band path and it worked out for them the that formula worked but he got into this deep dark state of depression because of it um and he got into a, a ser- really serious writer's block as well um and then like i had said earlier he started listening to electronic music and got to the point where he was getting really moved by rhythm more than melody i think that's the big thing that you notice the big difference between all their 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 albums before kid a and and then how kid a sounds and then from that point on how all their music sounds there's a real like a heavy emphasis on rhythm um and i think before we we talk any more about the band or about their path moving forward from okay computer let's go ahead and play our first clip from the album um so our intro was the first track on the album everything in its right place um and i want to say real quick here for this album they didn't so okay early 2000s right early you know late 90s early 2000s music videos were a big thing back then they didn't release any videos they didn't release any singles and they only played three shows in North America to promote this record. Let's just throw that out there. So no singles on this record. It's all fair game for this podcast. Um, our first pick is going to be track two. It's the, it's the title track on the record. Uh, this is Kid A. And here's our first clip.
3: So what's interesting to me about this is that in Okay Computer, they had the track with the uh, like the computer the computerized voice, right? Yeah, Paranoid Android. Paranoid Android, right? So like, mm-hmm. is this that same voice talking to us again? Like, what do you think?
1: You mean like as a like a character that he's created?
3: Well, it's just interesting that that, that, that he did another sort of digital voice, you know. So Like, that can't be a coincidence, right?
1: Well, but here's the deal, dude. Um, knowing now that Tom York, in between OK Computer and Kid A, he grew to despise melodies. That's what he said, dude. He, he, he realized that there is just as much beauty and you can be moved as deeply or even more so with rhythm uh, than melody. So and that's the thing about this album there, so much of this album is instrumental and not even with like acoustic instruments like this is the first time they introduce electronic drums and like you know other members of the band had to f- had to figure out their place in this record without necessarily strumming a, a guitar or plucking the strings on a bass so like yeah he's got his his voice is there but it, you know, like it's, it's muddled and it's hidden behind these effects, you know, like it, it's, that's Tom York singing, but it's not Tom York. And you can, almost it's almost like, like you have to find the lyrics. You have to read the lyrics to know what he's saying. Right. So that's like, not even, so to quote Tom York again, he says about this record, you're not really supposed to think about the words. That's the whole point all through the record. The lyrics are over before you have time to talk and worry about it. That's how it works. Um, and I want to quote, so I don't have in my notes where this is coming from. Um, but I'm going to throw all of uh, my sources in our show notes. But one thing I really liked uh, to quote someone who who, who wrote an article and, and interviewed Tom York around this time. Everyth- everything that I'm pulling from is... Around 2000, maybe 2001. Uh, They say, It's the equivalent of walking around in an unfamiliar city. The basics are all there. Big concrete buildings, expansive skylines, and the cold gray pavement underfoot. But it is only once you know where you're going that hidden alleyways begin to reveal themselves, and hidden treasures can be found i think that's what i love so much about kid a is that it is it's equal like at the same time it is unfamiliar especially like if you're a radiohead fan and you were a fan before this record you're listening to it and you're like what the fuck is what am i listening to like where where's tom york you know (laughs) where's where's uh johnny Where where where's colin um but the more you listen to it you start to to find these hidden treasures um so with that with that quote uh I got another clip from Kid A. Um so let's let's go ahead and listen to that and so okay, so here's what I did for this one. I really like the transitions in this album from song to song. They're not all seamless, you know, like they don't all kind of bleed into each other necessarily, but I really like the mood from song to song. And our next pick is going to be the next track on the record, uh, which is called the national anthem. And uh, for this next clip, I've got the end of Kid A, and then it goes straight into the national anthem. So this is kind of a lengthy clip, but again, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna fade out Kid A, and it's gonna go straight into the national anthem. All right, so here it is.
3: Yeah, so I just love how um, how instrumental this this album is, right? Like how they.
1: So that's another reason why I thought it'd be it'd be cool to have kind of a a joint clip for those two songs because that's three minutes of instruments, basically of, of just instrumental music. Um, I mean, yeah, you've got you've got his vocals in Kid A, but again, like it's 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 hidden away behind those effects to where, you know, it, like you said, it sounds like a, a paranoid Android again, basically. Um, yeah, dude, that's, that's the whole thing. Like that's, that's what he was, he was trying to get away from, from melody and focus more on rhythm. Um, and I just want to say that's one of my favorite, um, uh, Philip Selway drum beats. I fucking love that drum beat, but yeah, man, that's, yeah, I faded it out just as he started to sing just because, like well in our in the second clip of the national anthem anthem, I only cut out like maybe thirty seconds. We're pretty much gonna play the whole song, but um, yeah, that was pretty much all just rhythm,
3: yeah, his drum beats do remind me of um like a a lot of times they are really simple, like drum almost like a drum track, you know
1: yes man and dude i've said it so many times on this podcast dude that is my favorite kind of drummer um that's the reason i love jim eno from spoon you know not every drummer can do that effectively
3: yeah i mean but what's interesting is for for what they're doing on kid a it lends itself to the more like the shift toward more electronic music you know Well, yeah, and and there's songs that we're going to share today
1: that are straight-up looped, you know, drum beats, like on a computer, not even behind a real, like, acoustic kit. You know, it's weird because it kind of seems like the other members of the band kind of shifted towards this type of music along with Tom York, you know? So one thing about this album... Uh, the recording process, I mean it spanned, you know, what let's see, from what ninety what was it, ninety seven when OK Computer came out to two thousand? That's three years. They they recorded in four different studios in three different countries. And but the writing process and like the ideas and all that, uh, you know, of course, took took a long time. I mean, it's three years in between record in, in between releases. Um, and of course there were a lot of, uh, you know, it was kind of a fractious period for the band because like I mentioned earlier, like the other band members are like, okay, where's my place in the band then if we're not even going to have like this entire track, there's no real drums. You know, what am I going to do? You know, that kind of stuff.
3: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, but, but, you know, just like, just like with spoon, like, you know, the, they had a, 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 a kind of defining moment. And with the other albums we're going to cover, you'll see that this is, I mean, this is Radiohead now. Like, this is, they became Radiohead with Kid A.
3: Yeah, I mean, what's interesting is, like, usually when I see Spoon live and they do a a song that on the track, on the recording at least, didn't have a guitar part or something like that, they'll usually find something to do, you know? Like, they'll rework it for the live show. Right, right, right. Yeah, and I was I was
1: checking out some live footage of Radiohead around this time, and they they do the same thing. I mean, of course, Philip plays plays those beats, uh, even if it's an electronic beat on the song. You know, he plays it behind his kit. Same with Jimmy, you uh, with Spoon. Like, like like just like what you were saying. Um, so let's finish up uh, the rest of national anthem. Like I said, really all I all I've all i fade out or the only part that's missing is like a little instrumental bit in between the verses so we're going to fade back into verse two um i don't play the rest of the song really but uh there's a really cool um horns section that pops up and it's i think it's i want to say it might be the first time that that you hear horns in a radiohead song um and it's really fucking cool so here is clip two from track three the national anthem
3: So it's probably safe to say this is where he uh, is is drawing influence from Miles Davis, right?
1: I mean, yeah, right, like
3: Bitches Brew, right? Because we talked about that earlier.
1: Yeah, I think he draws influence from from uh, the Bitches Brew uh, sessions, and that you know Miles Davis kind of was experimenting with recording techniques back then, um, and. Uh, that's kind of that's kind of where Tommy pulled influences from. It's just in the way that that they said about recording Bitches Brew. That's what what I read. Um, but yeah, of course, you know, I'm sure he he pulled in uh those horns, yeah, because he was I know he was listening to Miles Davis a lot. So they had it was that was pretty much all saxophone and and trombone. There were eight players uh in that recording, um. Man, it just, just, just kinda gets like manic at the end there, you know?
3: Yeah, it, it it definitely does. Uh you know, and I could take or leave that, right? But it's obviously they're going they're they're doing that for a reason. What I
1: liked about it is that drum track, dude. Like that that repetitive, like you said, like looped beat kind of feeling behind Philip Selway's drum beat, that's the constant in that that song, you know, everything else is just going to shit, but that drone beats still just going and going. I don't know, man. I just, I just love it. And like, that is cool. Yeah. And, uh, the lyrics there, um, dude, I'm just going to read it. It's, it's really tiny. Uh, he says, everyone, everyone around here, everyone is so near. It's holding on. It's holding on. Everyone everyone is so near everyone has got fear it's holding on and then he just keeps saying like it's holding on he just keeps doing that over and over as like the horns just get more crazy and crazy i love how he just starts to like elevate his voice and kind of like almost scream at the end like i fade it out but it gets even crazier at the end and he just continues to just say it's holding on it's holding on that's one of those moments in the album dude that just gets me every so- time
3: so um, that's that's probably why his drum drum beat is so consistent, right? Because that drum beat. It's maybe holding I'm lo- on. maybe I'm yeah maybe I'm reading too far into it. But, maybe know, if if there's a but that's if, cool. If, you know, it depends on what the meaning of those lyrics are. But like, if he's saying like it's holding on, maybe he's talking about like while everything around you is going crazy, you know. Yeah, you just got to. There's sh- some sort gotta, of a, yeah, yeah. Now I mean, it, 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 you know, Tom York is not known for. Like inspirational lyrics so i don't know if that's like especially okay computer was like a uh, it was like a sort of a like assessment of like looking into the future like our dependence on technology and stuff that's kind of what that yeah whole thing was about yeah
1: yeah so uh let's move on shall we? um our next clip is going to be a few tracks down dude we have to we can't
3: talk we can't not talk about hoss and that baseline is Oh, on that song. Yeah dude, Just starts right, right out, starts the song right out, you know. yeah Just, And that's another thing that's consistent almost throughout the whole song. But yeah, what a yeah, what a true. fucking awesome bass line, dude. Yep. Just iconic, you know.
1: Yeah. Who which one plays bass? Is it is it Johnny's bro? Yeah, it's his brother. Yep.
3: Cool. Those brothers can play some mean strings, you know? <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh
1: all right. You want to do optimistic now?
3: Yeah, dude. I, I love Optimistic.
1: Yeah, Let's me too. Do it. That's, that's yeah. so funny. Oh, dude, dude just... okay,
3: hang on. One sec. I wanted to kind
1: of bring something up here. So we're now playing track four. Um, that one's called How to Disappear Completely. So there's kind of a, a really telling backstory to, to this song. Uh, Tom York wrote How to Disappear Completely during their touring years for OK Computer. He wrote it after playing a huge outdoor concert, uh, I think in Dublin or something. And you really don't have to know anything else about the song. Just think about the name, How did it Disappear Completely. That's how Tom York felt. And when he's standing on that stage, just in a, you know, just a fucking sea of people. Think about that, dude. You're the one that everyone is focusing on, but in your mind, you're completely just, dis- you're, you're gone. You know, like, that's how. That's where he was in his mind. Like, none of this matters. Like, he he was really yeah. struggling with with that, like the, the rock and roll mindset, and he he just he couldn't think of anything that was more pointless than being a rock star.
3: Yeah, I could see, dude. I could see that being being something that goes through. Like, if you're if you're if you're a genuine musician and you're not out there, like you didn't set out to make it big. And like you're 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 a genuine artist and musician, and you you get a mega hit on the radio, and then all of a sudden you're you're packing arenas and stuff, and everybody showed up just to hear that one song, and you're like, right. I've got all these other great songs that I've written. It probably does Dude. start to get. You know that's it happened to. It's happened to so many bands. You know,
1: um, I I don't I can't think of the guy's name at the moment, but um, that happened to to LCD Sound System. There's a fucking documentary yeah, the, on it,
3: right? The, the name of the the album, the just play the hits or whatever. Shut up and play the hits. Yeah, exactly. That's the same, yeah, that's exactly yeah, what I'm talking about.
1: Yep. All right, so yeah, you know what Radiohead did? They they said fuck all this. Let's do something completely different. Who fucking cares? What the record label wants. Who cares what our fans are expecting? Let's do something different. So, here's track six on Kid A. It is called Optimistic. I got a couple clips for you.
3: i love that little keyboard number man that doodly.
1: yeah that's cool man that's like a just a subtle change uh like a subtle addition that really changes the whole feel of that of that that part of the song yeah so uh that clip was a little bit long but i wanted to get to the the whole uh this little piggy number that he did you know what i mean the this one's optimistic this one went to market that's basically yeah, yeah. This you know this little piggy went when came home or whatever, right? I thought that was really clever and and cool. Um, yeah, dude. What so? What is it about the song that you like so much? I feel like for me, this is uh, just the first time uh, where you kind of hear the whole band as a band again.
3: It, no, it, it sounds more like uh, you know it could have been another song off of Ok Computer or something like that. It's yeah, more, it's more in line with with the alternative rock sound it i mean it's still a little bit different but it's not like the entire album is nothing but them sort of going off on this this different route you know
1: yeah that's kind of like back going back to that quote uh that i you know that i said from earlier you know it's it's kind of it's like finding yourself you know walking around in an unfamiliar city right right it's a radiohead album you know but uh it kind of takes a while before you you start to to pick up on all those, you know, hidden alleyways, and the band starts to reveal themselves the longer, the more you listen to the album, and the more times you listen to it again, and again. Um, God, dude, this. I so I think I mentioned earlier this might be, it's a tie for me between Kid A and Amnesiac, and these two song, these two albums were I mean a lot of these songs were written around the same time too. I mean, I'm jumping the gun. We're going to cover Amnesiac next, but um yeah, man, there's just something about this this time for for the band, you know, for for Tom York and his writing and and yeah, it's just something about it,
3: dude. Yeah, Amnesiac is is killer, man. And the problem it's, is man. the problem for us at least or for me at least, my four favorite songs our singles on here really on amnesiac on amnesiac. Yeah. Well, I might hey, be wrong. We're jumping it, dude. Jumping all, right, it. all right. All right. We'll talk about uh, that. We, we got a
1: couple more, but we'll play, play. Dude,
3: we'll, we'll play some clips from some of the, from some of the singles, maybe. Who just, cares? You know, dude, just dude, look, fuck dude. it, man. You know what? No who's going to, who's going to bust us, right?
1: Who's going to bust us? Nobody. <laughs> exactly. I just want so I just want to read some of the lyrics here. Cause I like them. Uh, so from the top of the song, Flies are buzzing round my head Vultures circling the dead Picking up every last crumb The big fish eat the little ones The big fish not, the, big, <laughs> <laughs> the big fish eat the little ones uh, the Not my thief. problem Gimme some <laughs> That's straight up like Little Richard uh, You can try the best you can The best you can is good enough you know what? That, you know that's a positive thing to say, right? Sure. Hey, you know what? Best you can do. That's the that's that's good enough. So, I'm gonna do a similar thing that I did earlier with uh, Kid A fading into a national anthem. Uh, we're not even gonna really cover the next song after Optimistic, which is called In Limbo. Um, but I fucking love this little number that they do in between Optimistic and In Limbo. I don't know if it's a, a song idea that they weren't able to hash out or, or what, but it's just really cool. It's just a, a loop. It's a little, it's a tiny little loop. Um, and it goes straight into In Limbo and I'm just gonna kind of fade it out right at the beginning there. Um, anyways, this is the very end of Optimistic fading into In Limbo. I fucking love that so much dude
3: yeah that's a great so cool i mean it almost sounds like a like a jam session kind of thing
1: something man but like do you notice how they like almost they cut off the the beat and then loop it at the at the end of optimistic there
3: right, like, right it cuts
1: yeah. off that measure or wh- whatever you call it like but it's it's so cool man yeah anyways it's awesome. <laughs> i love that dude so um our last pick is gonna be track eight and I don't know about you, dude, but I feel like in all honesty, uh so this is Idiotech and I feel like this is the first song of theirs that I really fell in love with.
3: Yeah, me too. This is the first song that I remember hearing of theirs that really caught my attention. And yeah. uh Idiotech really sets the stage for what they start doing on Hail to the Thief, which is after Amnesiac, but they had started experimenting and doing really interesting things with like programming and like and actual like you know, almost electronic beats and stuff. Yeah. Back back then, but I mean they really really uh, sort of leaned into that on Hail to the Thief. But anyway, we're, we'll get to that later. But but yeah, this song is just great, man. I just love it.
1: The lyrics. Now
3: we'll talk about. It. We we should almost. I mean, we can't. We can if you want, but i would like to hear the whole song honestly
1: let's do it i mean i I know it's
3: i know it's five minutes and nine seconds but there's a reason i want to play the whole song so let's do it So, um, just the, 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 beats, man, you know, the electronic, (laughs) the, the, it's the first, you know, it might be the first Radiohead track that really has that heavy, like almost like a house beat, you know? Yeah. Uh, techno sort of heavy beat to it. And like, well, yeah, we, we
1: talked, we talked about Philip. And the way he drums and how it's, it does have that repetitive looped beat quality. But, but yeah, this one even more so it's, um, I mean, it's not four on the floor or anything, but it's just, yeah, dude, it, it drives the whole song pretty much.
3: I love the lyrics too, man. It's just great. I don't know. I don't know what it's about, but, uh, I just love that part where he transitions to, uh, Ice Age coming, you know? Uh Uh-huh. Uh, and they almost isolate just the track, and then they add these more sort of percussion. Uh, there's another layer of percussion added. Things are pulled away, and it's just his vocals and the beats. And we talked yeah. about how how we love how um, how downtempo artists do that, you know?
1: Right. Yeah, I like the line. Um, We're not scaremongering. This is really happening. That's dude.
3: Yeah. Oh. And, you know, that, that, that women and children first line, you yeah. know? Yeah. I love
1: it, dude. Yeah. It's just great. So why did you want to play the whole song through? I'm just curious. Let's talk about why this for a right?
3: second. Hold, hold on. Let's talk about these lyrics for a second. Okay. Ice Age coming. Ice Age coming. Women and children first. I wonder if we should talk about... Uh, maybe maybe I'm stretching again because I'm... The Titanic? Yeah. I mean, Ice Age That comes exactly. to mind to me, too, but... But, you know... Ice that's age.
1: I mean that's the that's the famous uh line, right? I mean yeah, not, woman and not children just first, from the right. freaking James Cameron movie, but Women and Children First, man.
3: But you know, he's not talking about an iceberg. He's talking about the no. ice age. But
1: still. <laughs> yeah, that would be funny if it was
3: iceberg coming, iceberg coming. <laughs> yeah,
1: right. Yeah. Um but anyway. But yeah, and then I like the uh, the chorus is here I'm alive everything all of the time there is something about about those lyrics man right you know we're not scaremongering this is really happening here i'm alive everything all the time this is all fucking happening ice age coming bro i don't know what it means but it speaks to me man
3: yeah it's just a it's just a great song man it's great song yeah so why did you want to listen to it all the way through I just wanted to, to to make sure that we got that full because I love the I love the way that um, there's a good segment of that song that that's just the instrument instrumentation right just the the beat and the and the and the and the uh, keys and stuff like that and the vocals are pulled away from it like I wanted to make yeah. sure we got to that part because then his vocals slowly fade back in you know. Yeah, and it's and almost that, like um, it, it's almost like a it's it's his voice is almost programmed because it's and not
1: first in the children, and first yeah, in the children, exactly. That, Dude, and if you listen, right. if you if you um, watch or listen to live performances, like they play along, they play around with that a lot more. Like they do uh, use just clips of him saying that. Oh, I don't know if he uses one of those like loop pedals to loop his own voice, but they they play around with that even more when you when you see it live. Yeah, where he just kind of cuts cuts up those words and kind of moves them around even more. It's really cool, and I know you've been lucky enough to actually see them live. I haven't actually seen them, but I've watched enough performances. Man, Tom York is is a fucking blast to watch,
3: dude. Oh yeah, he really gets into it. I mean, like you can tell he, he the way feels... he sways
1: back and forth. Yeah, and just, right. Like he like he bobs around like a fucking like it like a bobblehead, dude. Like he, yeah, I mean he just, he, he's shaking the whole time.
3: He's he's being like I don't want to say. Moves like by the he, he lets yeah he lets the music like possess him you know what I mean yeah I think we really? all remember his dance moves in the uh, lotus flower <laughs> in, music video y- right yeah
1: yeah that was when he fir- was that his first step out into single uh, doing solo stuff
3: no that's a Radiohead song
1: uh, really that
3: was a Radiohead uh, <laughs> yeah it's on the King uh, of Limbs uh, oh shit dude you know what I never really gave that that album a good listen. It's got some good stuff on it, including Lotus flower. Lotus flowers, a great song. Oh, I, I love, love that song.
1: song. Yeah. I, I don't know why I always thought that was, that was a solo song.
3: Mm, nope. Well, shut me up. Maybe did you just think that because he was just in because the video by himself? Yeah.
1: It's because the music video. Yeah. Um, all right. So that's it. That's the songs we, we picked for kid. A, I do want to say that, um, morning bell is another one of my favorites. Um, the members of Radiohead love "Morning Bell" so much that they fucking wrote a, a song to to play along with it, basically on "Amnesiac." Did you know that, dude?
3: Well, yeah, I knew that. Um, I knew that uh, "Morning Bell" was a song that that showed up on. Um Hold on a minute. Say that again, because I I remember thinking the same thing. There's there's "Morning right. Bell." Yeah, and, and then, then there's
1: then there's "Morning Bell" slash "Amnesiac." on amnesia
3: okay yeah 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 all right yeah yeah so it, what that's i right. was thinking
1: is we could backtrack a little bit on amnesiac we'll play morning bell from kid a and then play morning bell from amnesiac and kind of compare the two i've never listened to them side by side or anything yeah. i think that'd be cool to do right. Uh, right anyways so that's our picks for kid a's 2000 release <laughs> did i say kid a <laughs> for Radiohead's 2000 release Kid A. And again we're continuing on uh our coverage of all things Radiohead leading up to uh In Rainbows. And uh what are we are we doing REM next? Uh if that's true, I'm fucking pumped. We are dude. I think we all are. Right. Yeah, I looked I looked at your uh, schedule. Yeah, dude. Okay, I'm, well, I'm pretty gotta... excited too,
3: man. I got to decide what, what album that we should talk about. But, um, yeah, R.E.M. is one of those bands that I got into later in life. Um, well, but, I mean, uh, shit,
1: man. Let's face it. We were too young. We missed R.E.M.
3: Yeah, but everybody remembers It's the End of the World as We Know It and, like, you know, lo- Losing My Religion. But were we even
1: alive when that came
3: out, dude? Yes, man. What the hell? <laughs> when did that come out? It's the End of the World as We Know It? Yeah. Shit, I don't even know. Uh, I got. But you. that's 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 in the that's on the you know came out in probably the '90s. I think that was. Uh, Eighty-seven, right? dude. We were we just barely made it. Eighty-seven? That's yeah. on Document? Oh yep. my bad. Yeah. Um, uh,
1: I'm really stoked to get into some REM. Um And then yeah, and then we'll then we'll dive into Amnesiac for our next full length after that one. Um, God,
3: man, there's just so many great. Uh, it's gonna be tough for me to decide what album we cover, but.
1: Well, you got two weeks, bro, so... All right. Get on it, brother bear. All right. So, as always, you can uh, find out more on our website, nofillerpodcast.com. We've got our show notes on there. Uh, We've got um, links to all the sources that we pull from. Um, You know, if you want to read it a little bit more, dive into some of the interviews that, that we pull material from. We've got links on there. Um, I'm gonna for sure throw up a link to um, a live uh, recording of Radiohead in 2000. Uh, There's some DVD that came out, I think, in between Kid A and Amnesiac, uh, that has this. Um, I mean, it it looks like a home recording. I mean, it looks like a dude, just some dude in the audience, brought his camcorder. But the the sound quality is great. It's a really cool snapshot of their live performances around 2000. Um, that's up on YouTube. I'll, I'll throw um, I'll throw that on our show notes. And um, not sure what we're gonna cover for our sidetrack for next week, um, but uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna pull from some of Tommy York's influences from around that time, and we'll figure out something. And yeah. That's gonna do it for us today. For our outro, we're gonna do a little Bitches Brew. I don't know if you wanted to cover this album as a full length. I don't know, dude. I feel like it's kind of hard to do like that kind of avant-garde out there jazz for a full. Yeah,
3: I mean, it doesn't. Yeah, it's one of those albums that you really do need to listen to just put on and listen to like it's hard like you said it's really hard yeah we hard can't to, do
1: just clips of that shit
3: to, to dissect it and like play a clip and, and like you got to hear the whole session to really get a feel for it you know
1: yeah yeah so we're talking about miles davis's 1970 release bitches brew um which is just i mean that's a major influence that album influenced countless musicians i feel like we've talked about bitches brew for a few different artists since starting this uh, podcast. Tom York being one of them. He was majorly influenced by the recording of this album. Um, we're gonna fade out with probably my favorite one on 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 the uh, album. Uh, this song is called Spanish Key, and uh, it is the first song on uh, Side C, I guess, Disc Two. If you've got it on record, um, yeah, that's gonna do it for us today. We will shout at you next week. My name is Quentin. My name is
3: Travis.